All right, and welcome to a special bonus mini episode of the Something to Say podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. So going back to the winter when we first started this podcast, Sean and I just took advantage of kind of the time of being hunkered down of just recording a bunch of material. And one really cool segment that we came up with is called High Five. And what we did was we came up with a subject we agreed upon, and we would both go our separate ways for a week or two, and we would come back and not know until we were recording that session what each was going to pick for our top five of any given subject. One of the subjects we picked was concerts we'd like to see once COVID was over. Now, this was before there was any talk of vaccines. We were in the dead of winter. Didn't really know how long this was going to last. And now it's a few days before June 2021. Things are starting to open up. So we thought it would be cool to revisit it instead of depressing anybody during the winter, not knowing when they were going to be able to get out and see their favorite performers, artists, comedians, so what we have here is some old footage we're going to release for you guys. And again, when it comes to music, results may vary. There are people out there that love The Who and The Rolling Stones and Aerosmith and Justin Bieber. And there's no wrong answer when it comes to your personal music taste. But what we can all agree on is we're all looking forward to just getting back to some type of normal. And part of that, uh, in addition to all the things we're going to have to adjust to with, with the new normal, is entertainment and how we're going to be entertained and being around crowds and music and acts that we like again. So this is just a fun little experiment we had. We're going to have some different subjects moving forward and we're going to jump right into it. This is Sean and I talking about the five concerts we'd want to see when COVID's over. Let's jump right into it. So I will read you the exact text that I sent Sean for this week's topic. Here's our high five topic from five to one, one being most important. If COVID ended tomorrow, what are the top five bands you would buy tickets to and want to see live in concert? Doesn't necessarily have to be someone you already have tickets to, but also has to be a current band who's together. Example, you can't use Led Zeppelin. Also, you can say a band who's together, but wasn't necessarily scheduled to tour. So on that note, you got your top five list, Sean? Ready to rock, man. All right. Let's hear your number five and a little bit of reason why, and I'll do my five and work all the way up to number one. Cool. So my number five band I would like to see tomorrow if COVID ended is Queensryche. There's two versions of Queensryche on tour right now. There's all the guys from the band without the original singer, and from everything I've heard, they've got a great new singer and put on a real quality show and play all the Queensryche hits. And then there's the legendary singer himself, Jeff Tate, who surrounded himself with some great musicians, and he tours and plays Queensryche. I would go see either because I just love that music. If I had to pick, I'd probably lean towards Jeff Tate, the original singer. That guy's voice is a gift from God. It is perfect. He is the most talented, greatest technical singer in the history of metal. The songs have depth, emotion, great lyrics. And sometimes when they tour, they'll do the entire Empire album in order or they'll do the entire Operation Mindcrime album in order. I would prefer Operation Mindcrime. It's a cool concept album. Every song on it's great, and the concept is amazing, and they have video screens behind the band that tell the story with it. And the basic story is this evil cult leader kidnaps this man, drugs him and brainwashes him to help him overthrow the U.S. government, even gets him to commit murder as a hitman and as 
his ultimate goal is for a revolution to take over the government. But the music itself is just so amazing and every time I've seen them live, any version, they've been an incredible, incredible band. Great. So um, maybe because I have, uh, as I've mentioned before, a 25-plus year history as a DJ, uh, I truly came to appreciate all types of music because sometimes I would get a couple who would say, we want all country, all alternative, all oldies. So I really had to you know, enjoy all kinds of music. And, and while I have some of my own musical tastes, when it comes to live music, kind of my metric isn't how many number one hits they had, how popular they are in the world, but what a showman they are, the band, the individual artist, and, and how much they give me my money's worth. And, and my number five, I will tell you, uh, for a gift for my mother, might have been her birthday, might have been Christmas, I, I got her tickets and took her to see um, an artist I had never seen before. And it was one of those concerts where when I left, I was an instant fan, and that's Garth Brooks. I couldn't believe the amount of energy he put into a show and the enthusiasm he had, the crowd interaction. His encore, he comes out and people just hold up signs of songs, his or others, and they just start playing them. It was the best concert my mother ever saw. I haven't seen tons of country concerts, but it made me have a whole new respect for him and his music, and I became an instant fan, uh, and I would absolutely go see him again anywhere. Very cool. Who's your number four? For me, number four, legendary band, Judas Priest. They have so many big hits, and they always play a lot of them. They have a really cool stage show every time you go see them. And, you know, there's things that people like to geek out on. And what nerds would geek out on would be things like Star Wars conventions or Star Trek conventions. Well, Metalheads, one of the things we love to geek out on and we can't wait for is when the singer of Judas Priest at every live concert rides out onto the stage on a Harley Davidson motorcycle and just starts revving those pipes. We know it's coming. It's corny. It's cheesy, but man, that crowd goes nuts and I love it every single time. And although he's aging and, uh, you know, in fact, the last time I saw them play, they had a curtain set up on the side of the stage and he would come out, he would sing the song and as it was ending and the band was doing that ending jam, he would walk behind the curtain and sit down in a chair just to give his body a rest, catch his breath. And then when the next song started, he would come back out. Now, having said that, when he opens up his voice, man, he still sounds like he's 25 years old. He's one of the best singers ever. And Judas Priest is really also famous for their guitar duo. Unfortunately, Tipton and Downing are no longer on tour with the band due to death and disease. But the new guys they have stepping in are really doing a great honor and playing those songs really well. Judas Priest is an incredible live concert. So uh, to that end, I will say this. Uh, my indoctrination into heavy metal music uh, through one of my best friends growing up, Vinny, was Judas Priest. And that opened the doors to all other types of metal I've seen them with him. I've seen them with you, and I, I can make no argument against that. Uh, they are a great band, and when you look at the founding fathers of different genres of music, you, you can't not have them in the top five of heavy metal music and their influence. And we'll be talking about that a lot in the uh, MTV segment as well.
Nice. Here's my number four band, and it's an interesting pick, uh, being a, quote, uh, child of the 80s. Uh, we have seen over the years uh, bands we like from the 80s break up. Sometimes a band is just the drummer with the copyright naming rights to the band, and they'll have some younger guys playing. You know, Judas Priest pulls it off very well. They've got the – you're never going to replace a, a Rob Halford. Uh, and there's other bands who, who can pull it off and other bands who just go from county fair to county fair and they play their, their two, three, four, five hits. Um, this band for me, not only were they easily one of the biggest bands in the world and could sell out any stadium seven days in a row, they kind of died out with some of the 80s music when, when grunge and alternative came in. Uh, but after the new millennium, they kind of, came out with the attitude of, okay, people like our music from the 70s, 80s, some of the 90s, we're not going to come out with a whole lot of new music, but when people come to see us, we are going to play all of the songs they love, and we are going to do pyrotechnics and lasers and smoke, and we are going to jump around the stage like we were all 18 years ago, 18 years old rather, uh, and for me, that band is Def Leppard. Incredible stage presence, incredible show. Most of the current uh, members in the band are original members, and they can put newer acts to shame, and I would go see them any day, and, and they're just a great all-around entertainment show. You've got, you know, I remember uh, that movie Coyote Ugly brought about a resurgence of pour some sugar on me, and you're never going to go to a wedding and here are the rock set towards the end of the night when everybody's drunk without hearing pour some sugar on me, living on a prayer, and ACDC shook me all night long. Um, it, they've kind of never gone away. They've never diminished from the spotlight. And they just, they give you, again, your money's worth, and they put on a show to the very last song. Yeah, man, I, I I love that pick for the simple reason that although my tastes have gotten heavier, I still have this spot in my heart for hair metal. I always will because I grew up in the 80s and Def Leppard Live is so much fun and they play their hits. And I, I almost feel like because I'm such a metal metal guy that it's kind of a guilty pleasure. But I'm not going to lie to you, man. Some of the best concerts I have seen are Def Leppard and we're all singing every word to every song and it's just a really, really fun night. Now we've seen that go in the other direction where you're just about beating the door down to get your money back and who I want to cite at least in the last several years for you to comment on is Motley Crue. Yeah, I mean – it's one of those things where just from a nostalgic point, I still really have enjoyed the shows. Um, a lot of people I know complain about the sound quality. Um, I guess if I had to knock them, it's the fact that Vince Neil will sing one line and then hold the mic out to the crowd for three lines. But still, the band themselves are great. In my opinion, Tommy Lee might be the best live drummer ever because of the creativity and the showmanship and uh, the other guys in the band are still very good and talented and the music itself sounds good depending on which venue you see them in. But yeah, Vince's voice has just been uh, way subpar for a couple of decades at this point and you know, you know it going in so you catch a good enough buzz and have a great show. Sure. Now we've put out on social media for input for some of our uh, – 
audience out there of of who they would have. We we asked them to submit kind of one name of like, wow, when this is over, this is who I want to go see live. Uh, we had Matt D tell us Slipknot and, and say how great they were. Uh, Liz G, really, she's up for anything country. Uh, a good friend of the show, Jimmy Duffy, Dying Fetus. There's there's a crowd for everyone out there. <laughs> yes, there's a crowd for everyone out there. Uh, Beth D, who I'm spicing up the name because she's my wife, Pearl Jam. Um, and, and a good friend of the show, Jay Hyde. He he goes to concerts as much as we do, and, and he had tickets lined up for Rage Against the Machine, Roger Waters, Korn, Metallica, that all, you know, all these great festivals that, that kind of got put in the wash in the backseat over COVID that people are dying to get back to. And, and I'll use that to segue into my number three uh, off of Jay Hyde is Metallica. Um, when it comes to kind of that type of hard rock and the we can play in a stadium, Central Park, we could play anywhere in the world. There's just no match for how, how they're trained musically, their presentation. I saw them put on a two or three hour show the night before the Super Bowl in San Francisco. And whatever mood you're in, whatever's wrong in your life, whatever girl broke up with you, however broke you are, you truly walk into a Metallica concert and you are absolutely transformed for the time you are there. And they will have your attention and your ears will be ringing for days after. And it's, I would put it up there as a bucket list band I would recommend anybody go see. Nice. And I, I want to thank the people who did uh, send in their their uh, their picks for bands they want to see. We always appreciate our audience, the feedback that we get, and please keep them coming. There is no wrong answer. We're talking about art. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about entertainment. I don't care if you like polka or you like death metal. There's no wrong answer, man, and we welcome all. I love the fact that Chris's list has variety to it. That's something that I lack in music, but I've already explained why. I gave it a shot, and I can't pretend to like stuff I don't like, but he's going to have a nice variety and a wider range of knowledge in all genres of music and that's hopefully going to keep all you guys entertained and uh, and touch on some of the things that you're going to like so I appreciate that very much um, keeping in the theme of my list I mean I just got to pick who I love and 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 my number three is Iron Maiden maybe the most underrated band of all time they should already be unanimously in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Every member of this band is an absolute expert at their instrument. The couple of drummers they've had over the years are amazing. The two guitar players, Smith and Murray, they're really in the conversation of the best metal guitar duos. And I already spoke about that a bit with Judas Priest, but they're right up there with those guys. I mean, you know... The stuff that they make together is some of the most beautiful, melodic music I've ever heard. You've heard bands like, say, Crosby, Stills, Nash, where they harmonize and they do that. That's what these guys do. It just thickens this wall of just beautiful noise and makes it just some of the coolest sounds you've heard when they play together. It's hard to explain, but it's really, really beautiful. And then there's the bass player in Maiden, Steve Harris, always in the conversation for best metal bassist of all time. In my opinion, he is number one, but of course, you cannot really label art in that fashion. Iron Maiden was coming to the New Haven Coliseum, and this was way back before the internet. 
This was back in their heyday when they were doing the big arena metal shows and Maiden was on the top of the world and they're coming to the New Haven Coliseum and a friend of mine who shall remain nameless because he's in prison now and uh, anyone who knows me listening is not surprised that I have friends who are in jail. Whatsoever. But he uh, – he went to Sears because that's how you got concert tickets. And the, if the ticket counter opened at 10 a.m., people started camping out around midnight. They would set up tents. They would play hacky sack and frisbee and there'd be a party going on and alcohol and anything else they could get their hands on. And it was it was really a party in and of itself, everybody cranking music and you waited in line. Sometimes they gave out wristbands. Sometimes it was just you had to form the line as you got there and you're on the honor system and you hope none of those assholes would try to cut in. Well, this is what this guy did. He waited till five minutes of 10 and then he walked all the way past the entire line to the front door of Sears. And the security guard said, hey, buddy, what the hell do you think you're doing? He says, I'm just going in shopping. I need a jacket and I'm going into Sears. And he went, oh, okay, sorry, no problem. And when this happened, it was one minute before 10. He walked in the doors. He paused for 30 seconds in the foyer and then he cut over in the front of the line Walked in, walked up to the counter, and a couple months later, me and three of my friends were second row center stage for Iron Maiden. There was thousands of people there, and we were so close to the stage, you could tell what color the eyes were of the guys in the band. And Steve Harris, the bass player, does this really cool thing at the end of every song. You know, when the band does that big jam at the end of every live metal song and he turns his bass player like a rifle and he points it at the audience and pretends he's looking through a scope and as he hits the strings, he's like picking people off in the crowd and he shot us each about 20 times that night and we were young and geeks and we thought it was the coolest thing ever. But yeah, man, that's, that's Iron Maiden live and last but not least, their singer, Bruce Dickinson, is so fucking great. He's in the big three of all metal vocalists along with Halford from Priest and of course the legendary late great Ronnie James Dio. Bruce Dickinson is an amazing human being besides being an amazing singer. As a hobby, he performs opera and quite well, I might add. He's a world-class fencer and if we got any morons listening, that's uh, sword fighting in the Olympics. That's what fencing is, boy. And he also was a semi-pro level soccer player. He has a commercial pilot's license. The band went out and bought their own jumbo jet. They painted the Iron Maiden logo and the mascot and they even named it Flight 666, painted it all up and he flies his own band around while they're on tour, city to city, all over the world. But he also comes up with really great lyrics. He can sing the most beautiful, soft tones you've ever heard and then hit some of the most incredible, amazing, powerful screams that you've ever heard in metal and he can really carry long sustained notes. If you don't know Iron Maiden and you don't know heavy metal but you're just interested, do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and type in Iron Maiden, hallowed be thy name and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So my number three live act would be Iron Maiden. So let me ask you this within the context of this list of five and this wasn't a prepared question. 
<clears throat> do you have a a singular moment from a concert that is your most cherished or favorite moment or or once in a lifetime thing and and I'll I'll give you an example it's not mine but I'll give you an example saw Van Halen on the tour for for unlawful carnal knowledge and my friend and I didn't hear much about the uh, opening band, and we made it in in time to get to the general admission area. So the first band was wrapping up, and this is all I saw and heard, and I've been kicking my own ass for decades over this. I heard a skinny little blonde guy with sunglasses say, thanks for coming out and watching us. We're Alice in Chains. We're out of here. We're going to leave you with this, man in the box. And it's the only time I ever got to see Lane Staley live. you have any moment like that or just a, a moment from a concert that was just your greatest? I'd have to rack my brain to come up with that one special moment because that's kind of a reflection what you're talking about because in the moment, you didn't really know what you were witnessing. Right. So I guess from the same basically direction that you took it in, I went to see a tour called The Clash of the Titans and the opening band had canceled before the tour started and so these three speed metal bands, Slayer, Megadeth and Anthrax just said, hey, Alice in Chains, we think you guys are kind of cool. You want to come with us? And they hadn't even had one single out yet. So it's probably around the same time that you saw them. And they came out and they played their music to people who were there to see speed metal. And they got booed every single night to the point where the singer would just give the audience the finger while he was on stage and change the words to insult them and swear at them during the songs. And I wish I knew then what I know now because Alice in Chains is an incredible band and I wish I could have appreciated it back then. But I was one of those idiots who was like, oh, I don't know any of their songs, so I don't like them. So funny side note, in preparation for recording today's show, I was watching a uh – bittersweet interview with Eddie Van Halen by the Smithsonian Institute, uh, and it was about an hour long. And at one point, he mentioned uh, Alice in Chains and Jerry Cantrell. And he said that he and Sammy Hagar came up with the idea to ask Alice in Chains out on tour with them because with the exception of themselves and maybe Guns N' Roses and Metallica, they were watching hair metal and heavy metal bands fall to the wayside to this new music called grunge. And they hoped that Alice in Chains fan base would learn to like them and would also say, hey, they're cool because they hang out with them. So you have Van Halen, who's already got a storied history, a, a monster of rock, they, what they did in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and they're worried about going extinct. So they find the coolest, best-sounding band out there and say, come out on tour with us. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because music seems to go on this cycle, and it's usually less than a 10-year cycle. And yet Van Halen, pff, relevant from really late 70s, early 80s to today and they found a way to stay relevant. It doesn't mean people are running out and buying their albums but every time they've toured even in modern days, they're playing huge places and everyone's flocking to see them and that doesn't happen with all bands. So yeah, anything you can do to keep yourself relevant, I guess to keep yourself cool 
what's considered cool for the next generation. I don't care if you're putting your music out on Guitar Hero, Rock Band, in video games, on TV commercials, or TV show theme songs. Um, just find a way to get exposure. And uh, it, it's, it's worked for Van Halen, and it was a smart move on their part. Nice. Who's your number two? My number two is Megadeth. And although Megadeth has gone through tons of lineup changes, that has not had a negative effect on this band because Dave Mustaine is Megadeth. And although the lineup changes seem like they're every other day at this point, he really only surrounds himself with incredible musicians. Now, since being kicked out of Metallica in the early 80s for partying too much and having a bad attitude, let me repeat that. Being kicked out of Metallica for partying too much and having a bad attitude. Man, I got to know how much did that dude party? Anyways, he's had this huge chip on his shoulder where it's him against the world. And what that translates into is great albums. What that translates into is great albums and great live shows where you'll hear some of the most incredible speed metal where they play at lightning speed and sound as crystal clear as a CD. It really is astonishing to witness this live. Got to agree. Uh, again, can't, can't argue. If we had 10 people on the show, we couldn't argue with any of their lists. Um, so going back to my Alice in Chains moment, I, I have another one uh, for you that leads to my number two band. Uh, it was the early 90s, and I was out with a group of guys for uh, a stag party. The, the women were out for the wedding, and the guys were out doing their thing and bouncing from bar to bar. And the groom actually said he wasn't into going to these clubs and meeting up with all the his bride-to-be and bridesmaids, and he just wanted to listen to dance music. He goes, I just really like to go see some live music. So we went to this uh, small club. And we went in, and there was maybe 10 or 15 people there, and the band was just setting up. And again, this is very early 90s, and uh, this is one of those moments I didn't know or appreciate till years later. Lead singer comes out, and he says, thanks for coming out and supporting live music. We appreciate you coming out tonight. My name's Eddie Veteran. We're Pearl Jam. We have a new album out called 10. If you folks don't mind, we're just going to track through the whole album. And with 15 people in the room, and I could walk freely up to the stage, just like you would see a bar band or cover band, grunge sound was just hitting out. Now, let me say this. With what I feel is a pretty extensive musical background, there, there are watershed moments from generation to generation. And the only thing that comes to mind is the, the Lion King, where he holds up the, what is it, Simba, for all the land to see. And... For me, in my opinion, uh, those first few chords of Smell Like Teen Spirit not only created a generation, but it also killed a generation. Hair metal, heavy metal, um, the cream of the crop kind of moved on. But I, I remember hearing Alive, and you couldn't tell with that reverberating voice if it was a 60-year-old man singing, but it was just different, and it was something new. And it was bold, and and now ten is easily one of the top albums I could listen to from the very first note of the first song to the very last note of the last song, 
over and over again and, and not get tired of. It's, it's back when we used to buy albums and spread it out and open it up and read the lyrics. I've seen them countless times. I've seen them with you. I saw them at Fenway Park a couple of years ago. And outside of what they've done uh, on a national and international stage, and they've become very political in a good way, everything from um, taking up these political causes to, to getting people to vote and things like that from a music standpoint – I leave their shows breathless. They know their crowd. They know their audience. They have such an extensive catalog. They could easily play four hours of only radio hits, or they could play four hours of B-sides that everybody knows. My, I shouldn't have it on there, but my sixth I had to cut off the list was Dave Matthews because he's one of my favorite artists musically and what they musically and proficiently do. And they're kind of a band I compare to Pearl Jam where their live music is as good, if not better, than their studio music. And they have entire catalogs of hundreds of CDs and discs. They record every live show record quality and release them either bootleg, sell them on their website. And uh, they've just meant a lot to me over the years. And and it was hard to not put them at my number one, uh, but they're my very solid number two. Nice, man. Yeah, that story about getting to see them in a small bar, A, I'm real jealous, and B, I tell people that story all the time. That's just a really cool story. And then you just mentioned that Dave Matthews didn't make your list, and I was sitting here convinced that was going to be your number one. So now I'm curious and uh, very, very cool. But yeah, Pearl Jam. Incredible. I, I've been lucky and blessed enough to see them live three times, and I'd go again tomorrow. They're awesome. Nice pick. Okay, so I'll, I'll jump into my number one, and uh, it won't surprise you once you hear it, now, now that you know that it wasn't Dave Matthews. But, you know, every generation uh, looks for a leader uh, musically to kind of step up. Now, what, what makes a great band great? Um, Everything from a, a recognition of the shoulders they stood on to get where they were, the history of music and appreciation. Um, you go see them in concert and they could roll out a special guest of Paul McCartney or Bruce Springsteen. Uh, and and I've, I've been lucky enough to see them three or four times. And I guess what put me over the edge was when I was in Atlanta for the Super Bowl a few years ago. They were the night before entertainment, and uh, I thought it would be a good idea to not kind of look like every other person in this big, monstrous tent that probably holds three to 4,000 people that was set up outdoors in downtown Atlanta and go see this band. So I wore a shirt and a tie and jeans, and was everybody kind of thought that I was working the event, so I was able to make my way around to some backstage areas. They ended up bringing out Perry Farrell, Zach Brown, uh, guys from Rage Against the Machine. And when you look to, you know, people in the 70s, Sean, wh what are some bands, uh, maybe our parents or older siblings from the 70s, say were the biggest rock bands or biggest influences of, of the 70s? Oh, definitely. Uh, Zeppelin, Stones, The Who, maybe Blue Oyster Cult, you know, Skinner, Bad Company, uh, Aerosmith, okay. on, on ACDC. And you know what? You, you hit it on the head. So, why this band is my number one is because I feel they carried on and continue to carry on the, the torch of of these bands that came before. And really in a day and age when um, for, for at least a decade, decade and a half, 
Rock music, alternative hard rock music has lost its place on radio airplay. And yes, there are channels on Sirius XM and Spotify and iTunes, but as far as traditional turn your dial on the radio doesn't exist anymore. So they're fighting an uphill battle. They're calling their own shots. Um, not necessarily my favorite band, but you give me a thousand dollars to buy front row tickets tomorrow. And my number one is always going to be the Foo Fighters. Nice. Yeah. When you started talking, I, I kind of figured it out and uh, great choice. Um, they're one of the bands, if I were to make a short list, who I went to because I like them and thought it would be a good show and walked out of there with my jaw on the ground going, holy shit, that's one of the greatest live music experiences I've ever seen. So, yeah, I cannot knock you for picking the Foo Fighters. And when you were uh, when you were asking me about that one surprise moment, actually the concert where I saw the Foo Fighters came to mind. I remember Dave Grohl said, you know what, people? I'm tired. So I need a little break. You, you guys want to hear a cover song or you want to hear another Foo Fighters song? And half the crowd yelled cover, half the crowd yelled Foo Fighters. He's like, I'm tired. I need a break. I'm going to play guitar, but I don't feel like singing this one. I'm going to have one of my friends help us out. And they started playing Schools Out in Fenway Park, Schools Out by Alice Cooper. And Sully, the lead singer of Godsmack, walked out on the stage, grabbed the mic, and they did this kick-ass rockin' version of School's Out, and it was frickin' awesome, man. Blew the fucking place apart. It was amazing, and that was one of those rare moments because it was so unexpected and so cool. I just absolutely loved it. So uh, before we wrap up our segment with your number one, uh, you know my head is just filled with kind of all types of useless trivia, especially about a lot of the topics we talk about. Imagine this headspace. Wrap your head around this. <clears throat> uh, the world loses Nirvana lead singer Kurt Cobain. The other two members are kind of reeling from that. Uh, when Dave Grohl finally gets back to kind of being able to use music as therapy, he briefly stands in as a studio and touring drummer for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. In 1994, he goes on Saturday Night Live with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and plays drums. You can find that on YouTube. After that performance, Tom Petty just says, you know what? You have a permanent spot in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as our drummer for the rest of your life. It's yours to take, yes or no. And he says to Tom Petty, you know... I've got this little mixtape at home I'm playing with where I'm laying all the tracks. I'm doing every instrument myself, and I'm recording it on actual uh, cassette track tapes. And I don't even have other band members, but it's just it's my therapy. And I let me see how this works out. It's this little thing I'm doing called the Foo Fighters. And we would have not had the Foo Fighters if he took the easy path in life. And just took an easy gig with Tom Petty for the next couple decades. Yeah, man. How do you say no to just being handed this gift where I'm sure financially he could have been comfortable, toured every year, just played his drums and had a nice, stress-free, relaxed, fun life. And instead, he just, you know, that's a real artist right there when they really want to stand on their own and they'll take chances and give up what hundreds of thousands of drummers in this country would just 
kill for that opportunity. And he's just like, nah, I got to see how this other shit works out. That's huge balls right there. But you know what? Look at how it turned out and look at all the great music he shared with the world because of that decision he made. So I never knew that story. That's super cool and interesting. Okay, so to wrap up this segment, we're going to let Sean reveal his number one, and he's going to tell you why his number one concert that he would go see tomorrow if COVID was over is Katrina in the Waves. <laughs> yeah, man, my number one, no surprise to people who know me, is Metallica. Let's start with the bass player, Robert Trujillo, just such a badass. I believe his resume includes Suicidal Tendencies and Ozzy, and you can't get much more badass than that. He's a really good bass player, and he has great stage presence. Guitarist Kirk Hammett, legendary solos with just so much depth and feeling behind them. They're usually like the most emotional part of every Metallica song. Plus, his love of horror films and monster movies really fits in with the vibe of the band. Then you got the drummer, Lars Ulrich, the rock star, the ego, the spokesman for the band. Some people, especially drummers, say at times he can be a bit sloppy, but they do respect his innovations and his experimentation with things like time changes from the standard 4-4 beats and stuff like that. For me, the way he plays in respect to where the pocket is of each song is a huge part of why Metallica is probably the most rhythmic metal band in the world. Plus, he's a co-writer of most of their songs. So that alone is just a real huge, huge accomplishment. Then you got the singer and rhythm guitar player, Mr. James Hetfield, the biggest, baddest metal frontman in the world. He just really looks and feels the part, and he comes up with these incredible riffs. I mean, I liken him to like Malcolm Young from ACDC, where the rhythm guitar can sometimes be what drives the band. He may not technically be the best singer in the world, but he is just really good. His voice has kind of changed over the years and he's really – he's he's evolved and his voice for whatever reason really fits them like a glove. I remember in high school, I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen or David Lee Roth, but my tastes have changed. And now if I could be in a band, I'd want to be either Ronnie James Dio or James Hetfield. He's also the other co-writer of most of the songs. And that, again, what a huge accomplishment for one of the biggest bands in the world. So now Metallica hits the stage. They're raw, loud, big, heavy, crunchy, fast, and yet crystal clear. And when they hit the flames, even if you're in the last row, you check your eyebrows because you feel that shit. Metallica Live is a prime example of the whole thing is greater than the sum of its parts. Because yeah, every guy in the band is really good at what they do. But when you combine them together, it is pure magic. To see how fast they play while staying together is incredible. Even if you hate metal, do yourself a favor and watch a video of them playing one song live in concert. If you appreciate talent, you'll be glad you did. If I could sum up Metallica Live in one thought, it would be pure energy. Great. Great selections all across the board. That's going to wrap up our high five section for this episode. 